It's the time of year when we're all thinking about goals and priorities. Now is the time to plan your next trip. Whatever kind of travel fills you up, whether it's lounging on the beach, connecting with family and friends, or going on a foreign adventure, Expedia has the tools you need to plan a great trip. Download the Expedia app or visit Expedia.com to start planning. You do need to be a OneKey member to use price tracking. Signing up is easy and free. Expedia, made to travel. We've all been there. You have a question about your credit card, you call the number for help, and can't get a hold of anyone. If you only had a Discover card. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right, a real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I'm Oprah Winfrey. Welcome to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. I believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is time. Taking time to be more fully present. Your journey to become more inspired and connected to the deeper world around us starts right now. Joining me today is a friend and one of our favorite spiritual teachers, Elizabeth Lesser. When she was last here, Elizabeth was in the midst of a two-year spiritual quest to repair and elevate her relationship with her sister Maggie, who at the time was dying from cancer. Elizabeth donated her bone marrow to her sister Maggie, and their shared cells came to symbolize a kind of sacred physical as well as spiritual bond. Maggie passed away in January 2015, but that eternal connection between the sisters remains. Elizabeth calls their experience a soul marrow transplant, which she writes about in her memoir, Marrow, A Love Story. When When you and I last sat down together here, you were in the midst of helping your sister Maggie battle lymphoma. And then she passed? Yes. And I want to know, how has this past year unfolded for you, spiritually and emotionally? Mm. Well, the first effect when I lost her was uh, deep grief, Mm -hmm. disbelief. You know, the stages of grief they talk about, Mm -hmm. which are real. Even though you were prepared. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it, It sort of doesn't make a difference. I mean... I've lost my parents and some friends, but this was a long letting go of her, but still, it was a sense of loss. And then there's moments after someone dies, like maybe weeks, where the connection is so strong Mm -hmm. if you stay open to it. Yeah. Dreams, visitations, just constantly feeling surrounded by the person. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That was wonderful. Mm -hmm. And slowly... It begins to lessen as the person moves on and Mm -hmm. you move on in your Mm -hmm. own life. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I began to kind of metabolize what had happened because it had been two very intense years caring for her, going through the bone marrow transplant, myself being the donor, the fear of that, the intensity of our relationship. There were months of me finally like trying to figure out what was that all about. But I'll tell you one thing that was so helpful, difficult but helpful, is that the last time we were together here, as I was leaving, you said, um, you know, this is a book. And 
I took that to heart, of course, you know books, and I started writing. I didn't know if it was going to be a book. Mm -hmm. And I think even if it wasn't a book, being able to approach it from the standpoint of, I want to remember everything. Yes. I want to remember everything. I want every moment in this experience to teach me and lift me mm -hmm. and unfold me yeah. and strengthen me, all those things. That's, that's also what I was saying. Yeah, I got to remember every little thing and it's a blessing. It's a blessing yeah, to have that. Because the fact that you were going to literally uh, give up your cells for her, your bone marrow for her, I, I, you know, that is no small thing that you're going in and taking out a part of yourself that's mm -hmm. going to live in someone else. That has to be not just a physical thing, but also emotional, spiritual. It's an emotional, spiritual giving like none other. Absolutely. And I think that what you write at the beginning of Marrow on page eight, this is the essence of what this conversation is about today and the essence of what your book about. You say love of self, love of other, two strands in the love braid. I love love braid. I've braided these strands together in all sorts of relationships in varying degrees of grace and ineptitude. I've messed up in both directions, being self-centered, being a martyr, not knowing my own worth, not valuing the essential worth of other. To love well is to get the balance right. It's the work of a lifetime. It is art. It's also what this book is about. Amazing. Beautiful words, but so true. It is uh, to love well is to get the balance right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what you figured out on this journey? Yes, I've always been interested in what seems like two different things. How do I love myself? You know, everyone says, to thine own self be true, whether it's Shakespeare or the Bible or whomever. It's what we think is real. We gotta love ourselves, But at the same time, we, we have this yearning to connect with others mm -hmm. and to see that self in the other. And so sometimes we err in one direction, being way more self-centered than we should be. And sometimes we err in the other direction, mm -hmm. giving ourselves away, not trusting ourselves, being more for other people than for ourselves. And love is getting that balance right, bringing your real self to another person's real self. Mm. That's not easy. It's not easy, and it's really not easy when people are at their lowest, when they are in pain, mm -hmm. physical pain, emotional pain. Yeah. They're sick. Yes, mm -hmm. yeah, but you did it. We did it together, mm -hmm. and we did it deliberately and consciously. Now, we had... Um, I love that you called the book Marrow, too. I didn't mean to interrupt just there. I just wanted to say. Thank you. I love that you call it marrow because it's not just about the fact that you gave up your bone marrow. It's about going also to the marrow of yourself right. and being able to give that to another person. Yeah, we, we, we came to this distinction as we were working with each other to clean up our relationship so that maybe the bone marrow transplant would work better. Uh, we started calling what we were doing emotionally a soul marrow transplant. So there was the bone marrow transplant. And then we wanted to really give each other our souls, our true selves. Because um, in a bone marrow transplant, two things can happen that would make it fail. The new marrow gets into the patient and either her cells reject mm -hmm. 
the new cells, or my cells would attack her. This idea of rejection and attack. So we wanted to work on no longer rejecting each other, no longer attacking each other. Yeah. And what you knew, which I thought was so profound, we talked a little bit about this the last time we were together, what you knew is if you didn't fix your stuff that you had as sisters, mm -hmm. that on a cellular level, it would not work. There would be um, right. discord. Yeah. I knew it from all of my work and reading with the mind-body connection, mm. and not just my belief in it, my experience it in myself. You know, when you're stressed, your immune system is lowered, you get the cold. I knew that there was a connection between... Yeah. When you're out of balance, this is out of balance. That's right. Yeah. So when we're out of balance, yeah. Yeah. then since we were about to share cells with each other, I thought if we're out of balance, yeah then it's not going to work. That makes sense. Real sense. So I love that I interrupted you when you said this is a journey we did. Mm -hmm. We did together. Because in cooperation with each other, you mm -hmm. made the decision. I'm going. Was she at first reluctant to receive? Very much so. Um, we're very different, which was one of the reasons she was so surprised when of the four sisters, I was the one whose marrow matched hers because mm -hmm. we're very different. And she was reluctant to do anything too touchy-feely or new-agey mm -hmm. or woo-woo. I've always been the woo-woo edge of the family. She's a real pragmatic one, nurse practitioner, Vermont woods woman. She loved yes. me but had uh, some judgments about my life, yeah. uh -huh. shall we say. Yeah. And so you went into therapy. Mm -hmm. And what happened in therapy? Well, at first I said to my sister, Maggie, what do you think about this idea of the mind-body connection and us cleaning up our relationship? And I was very surprised that it took her only a few minutes to say, I'm in. And she was in because her life is hanging in the balance. We do amazing things when we have to. Mm -hmm. So we went into therapy with a therapist that um, someone in our family already knew, so there was a sense of comfort for her. and. You know, you think of therapy as taking a long time and you mm -hmm. got to rehash mm -hmm. everything and you're like, oh God, I don't want to go through this again. But it went really quickly because we had this deadline. Her life was hanging in the balance. So we both brought all of our attention and our presence and our best selves to it. And he brought us back through the years of our childhood all the way back to our earliest memories of rejecting or attacking each other. and. Some of it was really petty, you know, you didn't sit next to me on the bus. Mm -hmm. And some of it was big, like those years when we weren't really relating or talking to each other much. And we got to say, why? Why did that happen? What was going on for you? And what was so remarkable was that we moved through it very fast because the answer always was, it wasn't that I didn't love you, it's that this was going on in my life. Oh. Why didn't you tell me then? And we began to see very quickly, we do this with everyone. We make assumptions. We don't tell our truth. We don't interrupt assumptions that then calcify into behavior, into grand misunderstandings. And uh, because it was so intensified, because literally I was in the middle of getting ready to have my bone marrow harvested for her, 
Uh, we really showed up for each other. We cleaned things up very fast. Did you know that it's Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month? Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, like Cardon, Kaja, Amelia George, and Hey Meave. Plus, you can help to support college access and student success when you donate online or round up in-store to APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. And everybody always talks about finding the match. It's a wonderful thing when you find the match, but no one rarely speaks about what the giver of the marrow is also experiencing. Mm -hmm. What was that for you? Well, when I first found out I was the match, there was um, kind of an immediate sense of, I knew it, I knew I would be. And then there was a sense of, is it gonna work? Am I gonna hurt? Is it, it, mm -hmm. is it frightening? I had a tremendous amount of mixed emotions, but mostly what I had was, what an honor. You know, we all wanna do things for other people. You wanna feel useful, you wanna feel purposeful. Mm -hmm. You want to feel what an honor. generous? Yeah. I mean, what, what could be easier in a way? You just get your blood taken out of you and you give it and you save someone's life. So it's an honor. It was an honor. Yeah. Was there any pain for you at all? Yeah, there's a lot of pain um, leading up to it. You know, the, the marrow in your bones is where your stem cells are created. And stem cells are what she needed. That's what a person with a blood cancer needs, new stem cells. And so right now, your stem cells are waiting for your body to say, I need new stem cells to come out through the bones and create new brain cells or new skin cells. It's a miracle. I was just gonna say. It's a miracle. Every moment is a blessed miracle. It's amazing. Like if you just press on your thighs now, you wouldn't think, my thigh is a place of miracles. Yes. We don't usually think of our thighs like that, but like deep in that bone, yeah. especially those bones, there's this amazing life and death dance going on right now. And so in order to stimulate more stem cells to come out into the bloodstream, they give you this growth factor that makes your bones ache tremendously. And it happens over five days until yes. so yeah. many. Like, yeah, you write about actually aching in your bones. Yeah. Yeah, people say that, I'm so bone tired, but ache when you actually ache in your bones. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was, a, it was an amazing experience to feel that deep ache. Well, one of the lessons that I think that emerged from your writing process is this um, idea that we all have to find our own authenticity. And I can see that you came out of it more of yourself than mm -hmm. you've ever been with a greater sense of clarity. And I know it's one of the reasons why you wanted to write the book, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yes. I wanted to write a book about authenticity even before mm -hmm. this story, but I was having 
trouble writing about it because, you know, it's a fine line between being authentic and mm -hmm. being a narcissist, mm -hmm. you know, like being so me. Yes. Uh, it's, it's a very... It's, and, mm -hmm. and when you write about it, you can easily slip into that language of self, self, self. And I was looking for a way to write about authenticity, but it wasn't until that very experience I was just talking about, the ache in the bones, which actually happened the same day we had that first therapy session where we had dug deep for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And it was painful to dig into old stories about our relationship mm -hmm. and to admit I was wrong, I'm sorry, for her to say it, for us to like Ugh. make our way toward each other's soul. And when I began to feel that bone ache, it, it had a similarity that to find our authentic self sometimes is a painful journey to sift through the voices and to sift through um, everything that we think we are that we aren't. It can be hard. It can be a difficult experience. But I think what I got from this is that you want us all to know that although yours was a matter of life and death, because you use marrow as marrow and also as a metaphor for going deep, that we don't have to reach a life or death situation in order to offer the marrow of ourselves to another person. Yeah, I, I would hope that's what someone would take away from yeah. the book, mm -hmm. that this is not a situation that's going to happen to most people, mm -hmm. but what I learned from it and what I've been living since it is to err in the direction of connection with everyone to connect with people, mm -hmm. even if it feels scary, if, even if you'd rather not, um, that we long to know each other soul to soul. We yeah. long for that, but yeah. we're afraid. Yeah. When I was reading this, I was thinking about who are the people I need to clean up things with, mm -hmm. to be in that space of cleaning up and to be able to be in the position to say, what did I do to hurt you? Mm -hmm. How did I hurt you? What could I have done better? You, you all did all of that. Yes, we did. Yeah. And we did it because, as I said, we wanted to teach ourselves to do the same thing when mm -hmm. they got into her body, you know, like don't attack, don't reject. So we went through that, how did I hurt you? How did I hurt you? Will you forgive me? And Wow, isn't that, that is so powerful. And as you say that, I think about all the people who are listening to us right now who have been hurt or hurt other people mm -hmm. and how simple it would be just to. It is, it's so simple. Enter In... the space of peace with that by saying, how did I hurt you? How did I hurt you? Tell me, and then to listen, then to listen. It's very hard not to get defensive. Yeah, not to and this is why having a therapist, we only met with him twice. Mm. He taught us how to do it on our own. We then spent How months. to really listen mm -hmm. and not start with your, but what I, what I didn't That's mean right. that and I can't believe you felt that. That's and, yeah. right. Yeah. He, really, his only job the whole time was like, wait a minute, let her finish. And uh, that's, so it's simple, but it's not easy and sometimes you need help. Mm -hmm. And not everyone is safe to do it with. This is an important Yes. point. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, that's not just important. That's essential. You have to be in agreement to do it. You do. You can't do it with somebody who is still caring, who still wants to hold on to the anger. That's right. And yeah. I, I can assure you it doesn't work because I have tried. <laughs> over and over, sometimes with the same person. Really? Yes. Um, you know, I came out of the experience like, okay, I'm going to clean it up. Yeah. But there are some people who it will threaten. There are some people who really don't want to go there and who are so wounded that they just still feel they have to wound other people. You know, Maya Angelou has a wonderful line, be careful when a naked man offers you a shirt. And she said that after she said something like, I don't trust people who say, I love you, when they don't love themselves. So to me, that's what you look for. Is this person safe for me to be vulnerable with? Well, does this person love himself enough Mm -hmm. to to go there with me? And one of the things that becomes clear here in Marrow is that it's not about, you know, making the other person come clean with themselves or finally, uh, you know, resolving whatever. It's about, it's about yourself. It's about fixing with yourself first and then the other person, right? You know, Maggie said something to me in one of the therapy sessions. We were what was called a perfect match. Our Mm -hmm. genetic markers for Mm -hmm. the bone marrow transplant were perfectly matched. And at one point in our therapy session, I was kind of beating myself up for stuff I had done. And she said, you know, you don't have to be perfect to be my perfect match. And that was such a liberation for me. And it stayed with me. And I'd say it's probably the most important thing I took from it, that I don't have to be a perfect person to be just the right person for you right now. You don't have to be perfect either. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's OMRI certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow. And tell me how this whole process changed your relationship with death. Well, it's something I think about and have since I was a little kid. Um, Fear of death, wanting to know what's on the other side, Mm -hmm. fascination with death. And um, watching her take her last breaths, watching her change in the last days leading up to her death, where she finally knew she was going to die because even when all signs are pointing you're going to die you don't believe it but when she finally got this is it I'm I'm heading out and she was in 
her full right mind. And so um, I watched her become not only accepting of death, but ready for it, almost excited for it. And yeah. she was not a believer in any way, shape, or form. But she began to say things like, see that break in the clouds? That's where I'm going. And her sense of death changed. And it really gave me a stronger faith that um, we go somewhere afterwards. Tell me about the time you, the two of you were together and she said, this has been the best year of my life. Mm. Well, we were coming from, we were coming from one of the therapy sessions, mm -hmm. the second therapy session. And we had said a lot of things to each other. And as we were driving home, we were, it was a beautiful spring day and we were by a river. We were about to cross a bridge. And she said, oh, there's one thing I forgot to tell you in the therapy session. And I said, what? And she said, this has been the best year of my life. And then she told me how, um, even though it had been a horrible year, full of physical pain and fear, she had never felt more clearly herself. Wow. She had finally stood in herself, and she had a long history of not doing that, of a troubled marriage where she hadn't done it, mm -hmm. of always doing what she thought other people wanted her to do, selling herself short all the time. And she said, this is the year I, I came home to myself. Thank you. Thank you for giving me this year. Wow. And so when she said that, you felt... I felt, I felt probably the most emotionally whole I had ever felt in my life. I felt we gave everything to each other. We went all the way with each other. You know, I've been married for many years. I have children, but I don't think two people have ever loved each other more than in that moment because we had given everything. I'd given her my bone marrow. She'd given me her trust. We'd given each other our truths. We had cleaned up our relationship. There was nothing really left between mm -hmm. us but love. And to hear that this has been the best year of my life, it was just love's confirmation. Because mm. I know you don't believe in closure. No. No. I don't like that word. It's my least favorite word, closure. Um, especially in our culture where people say, like, you get two days off, your mom died, come closure. back to work, closure, it's a good thing, move mm. on, move oh. on. Uh, to the extent that you've loved, yeah. that's the extent that you want to keep your heart that open, even in grief. Yeah. Because that's where you connect with the person. Yeah. yeah. That's where you get love's confirmation, as that's you were right. saying. That's right. You stay open. People are afraid to stay open because maybe it'll hurt. But the gift of grief is that you stay connected. Do you still feel her? I do. Yeah. I do. Uh -huh. I feel her all the time. I feel her right now. Uh-huh. Yeah. Can you tell me whether you think that her 
spirit or energy or somehow fused with your own? Well, you know, for that year that we shared the same blood. Blood. And we were in such an intense period of being together. I did feel closer to oneness with her than I've really ever felt with anyone. Mm. Um, and at the same time, much more fully ourselves. That was one of the great mysteries to me that I, I solved during that year. How we are both one, we are one. We are the same, yes. you and I, Oprah. We are one. We go back to the same river. Yes. But we also are very different and we're uniquely ourselves. How is that possible? How are we one and how are we unique souls? I'd always wondered about that, but I experienced it with her. We truly were one, but we were put here on earth to do different things. So when she died though, I, I do feel she took her essence and went on into the next world. And but then for a while, you feel the essence, because when Maya died, yeah. I felt it, it was, it was thick. Thick. She was like right here all the time. I could, it was, it, it, was like a, it was like a real presence. Yeah. Didn't Maggie come to you in your dreams and tell you something? Mm. Can you share that? That's the other thing, dreams, uh, if you stay open yep. at the end, you can get these dreams that I call visitations. Mm -hmm. And I've made a study of it. I've asked a lot of people about visitation dreams. And there's very similar qualities. The person who comes back is young and vibrant and very alive and just there. And so probably two weeks after she died, I had one of those dreams. The only dream I've had since she died of that strength. She came back. She was in a room and I was so surprised to see her. I was like, but you died. How come you're here? She didn't speak. She went into a room, a large auditorium where a movie was being shown. And I went to find her because she walked very fast. And I found the seat where she had sat down. But when I looked to my left to see her, it was someone else. It was a man. And I couldn't tell who is this man. Is he my ex-husband? Is he all the people I've hurt? Because there was a sense in this man of being very judgmental toward me, of not seeing my soul, of not liking who I was. And I woke up from it with a start, like what, why did Maggie come back and show me this man? And then a friend of mine said, you know who that is? You know who that man was? It's you. It's the you who still is looking outside yourself for approval. It's the you who still doesn't trust her own marrow. Maggie came back to you to say, you don't need anyone else's approval. Approve of yourself. Approve of your own marrow. And that just rang so true that um, she'd come back to say, everything you tried to teach me, Liz, uh, do it yourself now and do it for real. Mm. So how did you become more authentically yourself in this process? Well, in those therapy sessions with Maggie, I began to see how so much of what I thought she thought about me and that I had internalized is what she thought. Mm -hmm. um, she didn't even think that about me. 
that we, we had these misconceptions about what the other thought about the other and we turned them into these big storylines that affected how we felt about ourself. Putting down those stories, both of us kind of rose out of the childhood stories. Oh, you're the mm-hmm. little one, you're the bossy one, you're the good girl, you're the bad girl. We put those stories down. And in putting my childhood stories down with a member of my family, which is kind of unusual, most of the time people do it alone, in putting it down together, what bubbled up to the surface was just me. I'm enough, just who I am. Oh, that is the quest to figure that out. Yeah. That's everybody's quest. It is. It's everybody's quest. Yeah, and she stepped into her enoughness I stepped into my enoughness. And you know what happens when two enoughnesses meet? Love. You know, it's like... It's also got to be very powerful. Very powerful. It is powerful. Yeah. In the end, I know the lesson you wish for all of us is to live each day from the marrow. And you write on page 303, deep within the heart of the earth and the marrow of the bones is a compass that quivers to the power of love. And I know that through this journey, you discovered love so big that you say your heart will never shrink back to its normal size. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We think that the answer to life is complicated or you gotta go on some big quest for it. And it, it turns out to be, you're enough just because you are. You're enough. And find the seed of enoughness in the other person. You know, give them that gift. You're enough, too. And that's where love is. That, that is the seed of love. Two people who know who they are in their grand simplicity. Seeing each other beyond the labels, beyond the ego. Just being enough with each other. Is enough. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you, Liz. That was beautiful. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Super Soul Conversations podcast. You can follow Super Soul on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Super Soul Conversation. Thank you for listening. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one Crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. 